0: So again, we just want to welcome you and thank you. Those who are joining us online, we want to greet you as well. I'm glad you could be with us. I know that I've had a couple of phone conversations with a couple of different individuals who simply watch us online. They've never been to the church, and God moves. God moves. He uses the internet. He uses uh, you. He uses your worship. And uh, people are encouraged by that. So just again, we want to say welcome to those who are joining us online. We've been going through the book of Revelation. We're going to continue that series this morning. We're going to jump right in where we left off at Revelation chapter 11. I had uh, something in my notes last week that I didn't get a chance to get to. I know that that's a shock for all of you that I didn't get to everything in my notes. People often talk about God being out there, being somewhere, being kind of disconnected that God is a God who doesn't care. Actually, I remember as a child being raised in the Catholic Church. Uh, my mom uh, took us kids to the church. Dad got to stay home and watch All-Star Wrestling. But my opinion of God was that he was kind of a, he was an out-there God, and that if I really, really, really needed him, he'd swoop in and help me. But there were a lot of other people that really, really, really needed him that they, he was probably helping them most days. And so that was my picture of God, that God was very aloof and that he was very out there. And so people talk about God in, in this vague and irrelevant way that God just doesn't really matter and that he's out there and that how can you read the Bible anyhow because it's just so, it, it contradicts itself and and it's so vague. There's nothing real. I want to tell you that there are some books. The book of Revelation is one that's a prophetic book that's a little bit difficult to grab a hold of. I've said it before. You know, we're not going to be able to interpret all of it. Um, Daniel, Jeremiah, several books are are that way. But as we read through Um, Chapter 11, what you're going to find is God is very, very, very specific in chapter 11. I don't even understand it all, but he is incredibly specific. And I believe, here's the deal, I believe that someday... Being as this book is prophetic, that means that a lot of it is for a time in the future. I believe that some of those prophetic words will take place at a date in the future, and people that are lost, people that don't know anything about God, will say, you know what, I heard something about this before, and we'll be able to go back and say, there's a reference manual. God spoke about this thousands of years ago, and I believe that. Those prophetic books will actually bring people into the kingdom of God down to what I believe it happens around us all the time. But I believe that God will use that in the future revelations chapter 11 starting in verse one john the revelator this is again a revelation of jesus christ to john and he says i was given a reed like a measuring rod and i was told go and measure the temple of god and the altar and its worshipers but exclude the outer court do not measure it because it has been given to the gentiles and they will trample on the holy city for 42 months we talked about this last week that john actually goes from this position of being almost a a, a news commentator to being now he's kind of sucked into the story and he's actually 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 participating in the story we also said that this is for a future time because the temple of solomon has not been rebuilt but it is going to be rebuilt and and here he talks about the gentiles trampling on the holy city for 42 months that's pretty specific to me Verse 3 says, and I will appoint my two witnesses, and they will prophesy for 1,260 days clothed in sackcloth. Not only is he telling you there's going to be two witnesses, he's telling you how long they're going to prophesy and what they're going to be wearing. That's pretty specific, right? I didn't even know I was going to wear a blue shirt this morning. Several thousand years ago, John knew these guys were going to be wearing sackcloth. They are the two olive trees, the two lampstands, they will stand before the Lord of the earth. If anyone tries to hire to harm them, if anyone tries to harm them, fire will come from their mouths and devour their enemies. This is how anyone who wants to harm them must die. It's kind of specific, right? They have the power to shut up the heavens so that it will not rain during the time that they are prophesying. They have the power to turn the waters into blood and to strike the earth with every kind of plague as often as they want. All that might sound crazy, but it doesn't sound vague, right? It sounds very, very specific. It's clear that these are two dudes you do not want to mess with. Or is that just me? You stand up against them and they're going to spew fire out of their mouth and that'll, that'll stop you. That's pretty specific. The testimony that we're reading about, they can stop the, the water, they can call down plagues, that kind of sounds like some Old Testament stuff, does it not? Who does that remind us of? Well, stopping the, the rain from the sky, that, that kind of reminds me of uh, who? Elijah. Elijah. What about the plagues? That kind of reminds me of? Moses when I look at these two witnesses again we see this prophetic we don't get all the answers we don't really know who this is I've long had my own ideas about this but my idea and six bucks will get you a cup of coffee at caribou (laughs) but only one my initial thought was that we were talking about Elijah one of these two prophets would be Elijah Malachi chapter 4 and verse 5 says see I will send the prophet Elijah to you before that great and dreadful day of the Lord the day the Lord comes he will turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the hearts of their children to their parents or else I will come and I will strike the land with total destruction now John the Baptist we were told that he came in the spirit of Elijah but John the Baptist is who? He's John the Baptist right? He wasn't Elijah I believe that there is a there is a I don't even quite know how to say it. I believe there's a movement going on in the church right now. You may call it like the spirit of Elijah or the intent of Elijah where I believe there are there are many pastors who are preaching the word of God and what they're they're part of what's going on is they're turning the hearts of the children to their father and the hearts of the father to the children. I believe that that's going on currently in our world today we we are kind of living some of that second kings we see uh, second kings chapter two when they had crossed elijah said to elisha tell me what can i do for you before i am taken from you interesting phrase elisha has been following elijah watching everything that he does he's a it's a mentor relationship and Elijah says, there's going to come a time when I'm taken away from you. What can I do for you? And Elisha says, let me inherit a double portion of your spirit. You have asked a difficult thing, Elijah said. Yet when I am taken from you, he says it again, it'll be yours. If Yet when I am taken from you, if you see me, I missed it. Uh, You have asked a difficult thing, Elijah said. Yet if you see me when I am taken from you, it will be yours. Otherwise, it will not. As they were walking along together, suddenly a chariot chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them. Believe that? Do you believe that these two guys were walking along down a road? Elijah says, look, if you see me when I go, then you get what you asked for. And all of a sudden, here comes a chariot of fire and horses of fire out of nowhere. Never seen it. But do you believe it? I believe it. I believe that's literal. I believe that's what happened. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, here comes this chariot of fire. And they get separated. And Elijah goes. He's he's gone. They were walking together. Suddenly a chariot of fire and a a horse of fire appeared and separated the two of them, and Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Elisha Elisha saw it, and he cried out, My father, my father, the chariots and the horsemen of Israel, and Elisha saw him no more, and then he took hold of his garment and he tore it in two. He, 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 He was there, and then he was gone. You see, Elijah... Never died. He might be one of the prophets that's coming back. Again, my opinion, in $6, we'll get you a cup of coffee. But he never died. The second candidate, I think, is Enoch. Enoch, the Bible says, walked with the Lord for 300 years, and then he was not. Now, I'm not sure how far you can walk in 300 years, Bryce. You know, hey, every, every other day we come back to Enoch. He walked with the Lord every day. Maybe one day he just said, you know what, Lord, we've been walking for a long time. We're probably closer to your house than we are to mine. Maybe we should just stop over. Because Enoch never died either. We have no record of Enoch dying. Well, maybe, maybe it's Enoch. I don't know. Enoch and Elijah are the two people, according to Scripture, that... We have a right, they did not die. It's like they got drafted right into the major leagues from high school. They didn't have to go to college. They didn't have to go and do any of that stuff. They just got drafted right away. There's another possibility, and I think it's certainly a possibility, and it's Moses. One of the reasons I think it's it may be Moses, and actually this is what I believe, is that it's Moses and Elijah, and that's because there's historical precedent. Luke chapter 9, starting in verse 29 and 31. I don't know, maybe when you read the Bible, you think it's kind of, Kind of fairy tale stuff. I don't. I believe it's really real. Luke chapter 9, starting in verse 29. As he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became bright as a flashing of lightning. Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor talking with Jesus. And they spoke about his departure when he was about to bring fulfillment at Jerusalem. These guys represent, I believe, that Moses represents the law. And Elijah represents the prophets. And now I, I could be wrong, but I believe these are the probably the two prophets of Revelation. Regardless of who they are, what's their job here? Well, in Revelations chapter 11, starting at verse 6, says, They have power to shut up the heavens. We read that. It will not rain during the time they are prophesying. They have the power to turn the waters into blood and to strike the earth with every kind of plague as often as they want. So we see that they're prophesying, but what we need to understand is in the original language of the New Testament Greek, prophecy is not necessarily predicting the future. It can be, and it may include that, but it is not entirely that. As a matter of fact, in the, get this, in the original language of the Greek, prophecy, that word literally means to tell forth the truth, to speak to proclaim or to preach. I believe the primary objective here is for these two prophets to stand up and to declare the truth for three and a half years. That's what they're gonna do. They're going to stand up and they're going to declare the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ in the latter half of the tribulation. Maybe it's a a three and a half year dissertation on the life of Christ. Maybe they're going to talk about everything that took place during his ministry season. I don't know. Maybe they're going to take people through all the promises of the Old Testament. Can you imagine how much you can say in three and a half years? You can say a lot in three and a half years. And these witnesses are going to be opposed But that's nothing new. The persecution of Christians is on the rise all over the world even while we speak this morning. And I, here's the deal. I believe persecution kind of runs in cycles. I, we, personally, we are in one of the most blessed nations on the earth. I can stand up here today, and I can declare the truth of Jesus Christ. I can preach his word, and I don't have to worry about anybody coming against me. You n- might not like me. You might not like the way I preach. You might not like my shoes. You might not like the church. You might not like... But that's not persecution, I have never been threatened with my life because of persecution from Scripture. Never, never. But there is a day coming. I believe there's a day coming that's not just gonna happen in small portions of the world. There are places around the world today where if you preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, it could cost you your life. That, that goes on right now. As a matter of fact, we've had different Guest speakers, I'm thinking of one guest speaker that we had when I was in Hibbing and we were videotaping and we actually had to block out his segment because of the areas of the world where this man preached. It, it could have cost him his life. Those places are happening and we're seeing glimpses of it Around us. At this point, I could read all of 2 Timothy chapter 3, but here are just a few verses. You, however, know all about my teaching. This is Paul speaking to Timothy. My way of life, my purpose, my faith, my patience, my love, my endurance, persecutions, my sufferings, what kind of things have happened to me at Antioch and Iconium and Lystra. The persecutions I endured, and yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Paul is saying there's coming a time when if you're living a godly life, you're going to get persecuted for it. Now that goes against some of the teaching that we hear today in the church where if you follow Jesus, everything is going to be butterflies and unicorns. That's not true, is it? Again, we have not faced this type of persecution. And I think, again, I I said I, I believe it's cyclical. Here's what I mean by that. Uh, Seventeen times in the Old Testament we hear the children of Israel calling out to God. They're in such, they're in bondage, they're in slavery, they're in such depravity. There's so much sin going on, on around them. And somebody happens to find the scrolls, and they start reading through the scrolls, and they go, "Oh, here's prophecies." And they call out to God, and God delivers them. And when God delivers them, then they they spend the next several years, maybe the next several decades, maybe the next couple of generations, honoring the Lord, blessing the Lord. And then somebody gets a wild hair that you know what? This whole God thing is really not such a big deal and i can kind of do whatever i want to do and they begin to walk away from the lord and as they walk away from the lord maybe it takes decades maybe it takes generations but that depravity the humanness the carnalness sets back into the church into the life of the church and the next thing you know we're not walking after god at all again we see this cycle 14 times in the old testament but i believe it's around us all the time churches walk in blessing the next thing you know we don't really have a need When we get to that point where we're not really needing so much, then we're not praying together and we're not reading God's word together. We're not encouraging one another. We're not building one another up. We're not exhorting one another to do righteousness and to live rightly. And the next thing you know, we kind of go off track and we do our own thing. Anybody else or is that just in my life? Right? And I think we get to that point where where we face faced just a little bit of persecution. Well, it's not such a big deal. Let's describe what happens next to these witnesses in Revelation chapter 11. Three and a half years, they're declaring. They're, they're prophesying. They're declaring. Verse 7, now when they have finished their testimony, the beast that comes from the abyss will attack them and overpower them and kill them. And their bodies will lie in a public square in a great city, which is figuratively called Sodom and Egypt, where also their Lord was crucified. For three and a half days, get this, get this. For three and a half days, some people from every tribe, every people, every tribe, every language, every nation will gaze upon their bodies and refuse them burial the inhabitants of the earth will gloat over them and will celebrate by sending each other gifts because these two prophets have tormented those who live on the earth. For three and a half years, these prophets tormented. Well, how did they torment? They tormented by preaching the truth of God's word, right? That's how they tormented these people. This is the first reference that we find of the Antichrist as the beast, and he rises out of this bottomless pit or the abyss. We saw in Revelation chapter nine that this is a place for the worst of the worst of the demonic realm. And what he does is he makes war against, really, not just these prophets, but he, he, he makes war against the truth. He makes war against the gospel. Jesus Christ is being declared, on this dark planet at this time and these guys rise up but there's a word of encouragement in verse 7 verse 7 starts like this now when they had finished their testimony you see the devil's powerful but he's not all powerful he's knowing but he's not all knowing he can be present but he's not all present right who is all those things God is right and so the enemy can only do what he is given authority to do. Well, I just want you to understand in your own life, the enemy can only be released to a level that God has allowed. We do not have to be worried worry about being overrun, being tormented. James says, press in, get closer. Draw nigh unto me, resist the devil, and he will what? Leave. What? What? resist the devil draw not a guy and he's gonna flee he has to who fights our battles for us we wake up every morning and eat our Cheerios and go I'm ready to take on whatever devil comes at me guess what you are going to lose right who fights those demonic forces for us Jesus does he's already defeated them what do we need to do fight more no get closer to him He's already won the battle. I've shared this story with you before. How many of you have seen the movie A Christmas Story with little Ralphie? Right? Little Ralphie gets pushed, and he gets pushed, and he gets pushed, and he gets pushed. And And this bully takes his lunch money every day, wrenches his arm back here. And one day, Ralphie's walking home, and he gets a snowball in the face, and he's had it. You Remember the scene? He just had it, and he loses it. Whoa, poor little baby going to cry. Poor little baby going to cry. And Ralphie comes unglued. The next thing you know, he's got this kid on the ground. Ba-dum, 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 and he's just beating on him. Ba-dum, 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 and his buddy sees his mom. Ralphie, your mom, your mom. You can stop. Mom picks him up and drags him up. Dad's going to kill Ralphie. The next day, where is the safest place to be on that playground? Standing right next to Ralphie. You want, to, you want to be safe from the bully? Stand next to Ralph because he ain't going to get bullied again. Right? Who defeated the enemy? Jesus Christ, right? Where's the safest place on the playground? Get close to Jesus. Get close to Jesus. You Get, as clo- get closer. Hang on. Hang on. Who's going to defeat the enemy for us? Jesus, right? He's already done it. Right? Where's my hope? Where's my life? Where's my light? Where's my peace come from? comes from a relationship with him draw nigh unto him and he will draw nigh unto you resist the devil he'll flee what do we do we don't resist the devil we got all this temptation instead the bible says flee youthful lusts and temptations if i told you if the building was on fire i can't even say that right the building on fire and i'm like run what what would you do run it's gonna explode run everybody's running Flee, useful temptation. What does it mean? Run! What do we do? Don't don't catch up. You run faster than that. We want those temptations. Somebody told me one day, I had to turn TV off or the the internet off the other day. I was listening to you and and you started talking about sin. What What if I like my sin? Flee, change. Bible talks about carnal Christians. You know what that, carnal, that word carnal means? Carnal, that it, actually means meat. Like carnivore, carnival. So we can just say that when we're a carnal Christian, we're actually just a meathead. You can use that if you want to. We've got to be led by God's Spirit. We've we got to move. When they have finished their testimony, their work was done. Again, the only thing the devil is all is he is almost done, and he knows it. Scripture says for three and a half days they're going to lay in the public square, and people from every tribe and every nation and every people group they're going to refuse to bury him. They're going to stare him. A hundred years ago, we couldn't even have thought that that was possible. How could that ever be? That everybody could see what's going on, and now all we'd have to do is turn on our computer, and we got CNN. Right? This thing's going to show up on the jumbotron in New York time, in Times Square. It's going to be broadcast everywhere, the entire world. But I want you to think about the context that's going on. There are right now people in our world today who absolutely hate the gospel. There are people who hate God. There are people who hate the context or the concept of God. Who are you to tell me anything that I do? is? Who do you think you are? What right do you have to tell me? I don't have any right. But this is truth there are people who hate God so badly at this point they they will they refuse the whole concept of God they don't want anything to do with it now we've talked about this over the past several months we've talked about this wherever the church of Jesus Christ is at you by the way are the church right right you're the church this building isn't a church when you came in this morning, this became a church. It could have been a bar otherwise. could have been a garage. could have been a house, but it's a church because you're here. Wherever the church of Jesus Christ is, there is a restraining force against evil. Get a hold of that. You have authority. You have power. You can press into Christ, and the enemy has to go. So if I'm walking with, in, hopefully I'm walking in Christ's hip pocket, He's not in mine, by the way. I don't have Jesus in my hip pocket. That's a bad thing. But if I'm in his, that's a good spot. If I'm under his wing, that's a good spot. He's not a magic genie. I get to rub the the bottle and all of a sudden he comes out and gives me three wishes. That's not the way this works. When he whispers and I follow that, I know I'm in his presence. Wherever I am, wherever you are, wherever the church is, there's a restraining force against evil. There is, right? A couple of years ago, when we had all the riots up in Fargo, you remember on Sunday morning, I said, "You know, where would we be if good people do nothing?" And then I said, "You don't now. You now you don't have to run up to Fargo." I was right, (laughs) because that mess came here to Detroit Lakes. I walked up. And I saw a pastor standing at the wall in the hardware store like this. All the riot stuff was going on over there. And he's standing there and I come walking by him, and he's like, hey, I think some of your people are over there. I'm like, hey, they better be. That's where we belong, right? How did that end up? Did a bunch of windows got broken, Detroit Lakes? Bunch of fire happened in downtown Detroit Lakes. Garbage cans kicked over. Nope. At the end of the day, <laughs> at the end of the day, the rioters are walking with their signs back to their car like, oh, okay. <laughs> Hallelujah, folks. That's the church. Right? Oh, two people believe that. That is the church, right? <laughs> this city is different because of you. Right? Now imagine a time when the church is taken away. We call it the rapture. I've, I've been sharing this for several weeks. I believe the rapture takes place before all this persecution. So now what you have is that hate and that venom towards God and towards anything godly and towards God's rules, towards God's law, towards His, even towards His grace that hatred is going to be expanded and expounded upon because the church is gone. The restraining force is gone. If we think things have been ugly in the past, we haven't seen anything yet. When the church is removed, I believe all hell breaks loose on earth. And even worse than that, even worse than that, is there is no righteousness to say, don't cross this line, man, don't go that far. Don't do that, don't do that, don't do that. We can't do that. The laws in our constitution, the laws of our land have come from scripture. That's where they've come from. We're in a process of walking away from that. I believe that, that again, it's that whole cyclical thing. We, we've been close to God, and I think we're a nation that's walking or has walked pretty much away from God. And we need to get back to this point where we we trust what God's word says again. But there's nobody to say no. Isaiah chapter five, starting at verse 20. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. I could preach a whole sermon on that. Look at the world around us. There is no way, no way, you could ever tell me that aborting a baby is a good thing. Can't do it. Sheila? Can't do it, can you? She got that little bundle in her arms that we're going to dedicate next week. Tori? Casey? No way. No way. Kyle? No way. I bet you like being grandpa, don't you? Yeah. Whoa! Whoa, whoa. We're not talking about whoa, stop the horses. Woe is the greatest warning. It is the, the 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 most stringent of warnings in scripture. I don't think this verse would read, woe to those who call. I, ready? I'm just gonna take my microphone. Shut just popped. Whoa! Hang on! Do you know what you're doing? Okay, turn it back on. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and clever in their own sight. Woe to those whose heroes are drinking wine and whose champions are at mixed drinks, who acquit the guilty for a bribe, but they deny justice to the innocent. God says, woe. Isaiah says, Whoa to that people. Hang on. You're in a bad spot. You're in a bad spot. And folks, we're walking in those days right now, if we will open our eyes. I believe it's going to get worse. I believe when the restraining force of the church is gone, it's going to get worse. We're walking in those days. We already live there. People who say, I don't care about your so called God. You don't know what's even worse? What I think is even worse is people who, boy, you're ready. Pull your feet back. What I think is even worse is people who attend church on a regular basis but don't want to pay attention to God's word. That is a dangerous, dangerous place. It's dangerous for that individual. It's dangerous for anybody that they are in contact with. It's dangerous for a community. It's dangerous for the kingdom. You want to go to church and yet only pick and choose what scriptures you read? Revelation's not an easy, easy book to preach out of. Matter of fact, I've avoided it for almost 40 years. <laughs> That's the truth. But here's the deal. It's just as much a part of God's word. We have to grab a hold of it. We have to see it. We have to look at it. We have to say, these are prophetic and God is speaking to us. The days that we live in are going to get darker. And if you say something about the gospel, I believe as these two men stand before the, 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 the Lord and they declare, they prophesy for three and a half years, they're going to be seen as trouble. Speaking of trouble, First Kings chapter 18. So Obadiah went to meet Ahab. Ahab was Jezebel's husband. Ahab was a wicked king. Obed went to meet Ahab and told him, uh, and Ahab went out to meet Elijah. And when he saw Elijah, he said to him, Is that you, you troublemaker of Israel? Elijah said, I've not made trouble for Israel, Elijah replied, but you and your father's family have. How do you like that? What's that, uh, uh, ways to win friends and influence people? You have abandoned the Lord's command and you have followed the Baals. Elijah declared the truth once before and he was called a troublemaker for it and he just may be ready to do it again. After these people are killed, these prophets are killed, the world throws a party. I, I think in my mind when I think about this, I think it's like the death of God. God. Party like we finally did away with. It. There's no more. God's not coming back anymore. We killed his last prophets. The church is gone. We get to do whatever we want to, and they're not coming back again. Maybe it's like a anti-Christmas party, anti-Christmas party, but it's not going to last. That's going to be short. Revelation chapter eleven in verse eleven. That after these three and a half days, the breath. Of life from God entered into them, and they stood to their feet, and terror struck those who saw it. Okay, okay, maybe I got the wrong prophets, maybe I've got a whole bunch of things wrong, but here are two dead guys laying in the street for three and a half days, and they're on camera, and they're watching them, and not 24 hours, and we're sending gifts to each other. And all of a sudden, somebody moves. Like, what? did you see that? See what? His finger, man, it's moving. And they get up. Man, that was a good nap. And they come to life. I want to see CNN explain it away. (laughs) I just want to see it. Well, no, you know, this was a trick. We're pretty sure that this... Did you smell them though? Like, I smelled them. I want to see them explain it away. Sure. I just don't think it's going to happen. <laughs> then they heard a loud voice from heaven. So not only do they stand up, but then we hear this loud voice from heaven saying, Come up here. I'm like, shut off the mic. Shut off the mic. We can't let people hear that. Who said that? Where did that come from? Ha <laughs> ha. I'm sorry, but, you know, I read these things and it just... And they went up to heaven in a cloud while their enemies looked on. They're sending gifts to each other. T-shirts. We killed the prophets and God's dead. Not Thinking that thing might have burned right off their chest when it happened. (whistles) They're gone. And people watched it. CNN's filming it, ABC's there, CNN is there. They might even bring the sports channel. Everybody's gonna see what's going on. Not not only everybody, but everybody, like the whole world is gonna see this. How do you explain it away? Well, go ahead and try because verse 13 says, at that very hour there was a severe earthquake and a tenth of the city collapsed. 7,000 people were killed in an earthquake. And the survivors were terrified, and they gave glory to the God of heaven. And the second woe is past, and the third woe is coming. These are ugly days, folks. Verse 15. I'm going to have notes to start next week. Start verse 15. The seventh angel sounded his trumpet, and there was loud voices in heaven which said, "The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of His Messiah, and He will reign forever and ever." And the twenty-four elders who were seated on their thrones before God fell on their faces and they worshipped God, saying, "We give thanks to you, Lord Lord, God Almighty, the one who is and was, because you have taken your great power and you've begun to reign." and the nations were angry, and your wrath has come, and a time has come for the judgment, judging of the dead, and for the rewarding of your servants, the prophets, and your people who revere your name, both great and small, and for destroying those who destroy the earth. Then God's temple in heaven was opened, and within his temple, I want you to get this. I want you to understand this. I want you to get this. All of a sudden, just like when Stephen was being, in the book of Acts, when Stephen was being martyred, he looked up and he, and he caught a glimpse into heaven. Here, uh, the, the God's temple is opened up. And within his temple, uh, to be able to see, John was able to see, I believe these, these prophets were able to see the Ark of the Covenant. They were able to see inside of the temple. There came flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunders and earthquake and, se- and severe hailstorms. I think what we see today in the world around us. Just like the Ark of the Covenant, which has been lost for, forever, but like the temples, for example. The, t- the temple that's been lost is gonna be rebuilt. That is simply a replica of what's in heaven already. The Ark that was made here, I believe, is a replica of what's in heaven already. What we walk in, the Bible says, that we don't, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities and spiritual wickedness in high places. God is spirit. Our real life is spirit our spirit man is the real man right we get that right this body we 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 did a funeral for cleo this week but we're really cleo's more alive than she's ever been right her tent we put her tent in a box but cleo's more alive than she has ever been and you and I, here, here the scripture says, we got a glimpse looking up into heaven and what's in heaven is gonna be far greater than anything you and I have ever experienced. There is life in which, there's no pain, there's no sickness, there's no disease, there's no, there's no bad month, there's no, none of that's all gone, sin's gone. This is just a, a shadow of what we are going to experience, folks. I could go on, but I'm out of time. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you so much. There is so much life for us in this book. God, there is so much life that awaits us. Father, I believe that the church is gonna have a real impact. I believe as we go out of this place, your word says that some water and some plant and some sow and there's some digging and there's some tilling. We all have work to do, God. We all have a job to do and some of it's gonna be difficult. Some of it's not gonna be easy. There might be days where we get some persecution. We're gonna run into a little bit of that fire. But Father, we know, we know the reward is great. We know that this is nothing This, all of our difficulties here are nothing compared to the life that we have in Christ. Nothing compared to the future which is to come. So God, it is our choice. We choose to follow after you. We choose to try to listen and hear your Holy Spirit and walk in that truth. And do what you've you've called us to do. Sometimes it might be a difficult thing, God. We want to walk in that. We want to experience that. I pray, Father, as the church leaves this place, they'd they'd walk out of here in power, they'd walk out of here knowing that they have an impact in the world around them. We are dispensers of your life and your hope and your peace and your grace in the world around us. And people that, that we know that say, well, I don't want anything to do with that, at some point, they'll turn back and go, you know what, there was a seed planted many years ago. I just need to get back to that. I just need to get back to that. Help us to walk in that truth and that life in Jesus' name. Amen. One more thing as we continue to read through the book of Revelation, as we continue to read through chapter 11, we find that though the church is gone, the restraining force of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit is still here and the Holy Spirit is drawing and drawing and drawing and drawing and continuing. We serve a God who is so full of love that he's gonna continue to draw to the absolute Last person denies Christ. He is gonna continue to draw. He continues to call. He continues to draw. His hope, his love, his grace is still there even through all these struggles and difficulties. Amen? That's the God we serve. God bless you. Have a great day and go out and be dispensers of hope in this community.